back to another episode of the Apollo 13 Minute, uh, where we follow along the one of the greatest aviation and space films of all time, the Apollo 13 uh, movie done by Ron Howard. Uh, we switched things up tonight. I did the intro. I'm your host, Chris Henry, and my other host is right by my side here. Howdy, it's Jim O'Kane again, and uh, uh, we have a very extreme, I, I, we do have lots of special guests, but this is an extremely special guest. For one thing, we had him on the uh, Rocketeer Minute, and he's willing to come back, so uh, <laughs> uh, a good, uh, I'm, I'm proud to have him as a friend. He uh, combines aerospace, art, and adventure to uh, really help create the future here. Uh, he comes from a very famous family, uh, but is famous in his own right. As uh, president uh, president of uh, Vertigo Aero, which is actually bringing us the future, the future we've always waited for, the real flying car. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Eric Lindbergh. Eric, welcome aboard. Thanks, Jim and Chris. Uh, it's a pleasure. It it's so much. I, I have had so many. I don't want to say compliments. So much adulation from um, my previous series. Uh, having you on so many people are saying it's so great talking about the future and even though you know the, the rocketeer was set in the past but had elements of the future in it and uh, you are so wrapped up in things to come i'm I, it's always a pleasure talking with you and reading about you and and your adventures um i it, we all want a flying car and i know you guys are working on it and uh how close are we how where are we and uh, on the flying car uh uh route yeah, you know, I think, um, let's say five years, the technology is more or less here. And, and the, the, the breakthrough that we're looking at right now is electric propulsion, which allows you to distribute it, uh, distribute the props or the propulsion along a wing so you can tilt it upwards and take off vertically and then translate to forward flight. Five years, give or take. There's a lot of barriers that we have to cross and the FAA has to sign off on these things. They have to be safe. There's a lot to go, but uh, that would be my guess outside 10 years if it takes a lot longer. And, and of course, these things always take longer in aviation. So when my uh, I have a I have a three year old and a one year old uh, grandchild. So when they go for their driver's license, they'll have to learn it in three dimensions. Is that that how I'm reading it? I hope. Uh, I hope. Uh, no, I think oh, what's okay. going to happen is they're they're young enough. They're just never going to learn how to drive or fly. Uh, the flying will be done for us. So it's uh it's pu- wow. pushing pushing the button like an elevator just take take me here and <laughs> it's it, it, I mean it's a good it's a good question but I think that these things are all going to become autonomous and and cars are on their way and as soon as the insurance companies can sort of prove that the machines are safer than the humans we're not going to be allowed to drive them except on special bumper car tracks yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember um, it's someone at Airbus when I, I used to work for Airbus, and one of the uh, uh, engineers there was saying that in the future, there in any plane there will be um, uh, two buttons, a pilot and a dog, and uh, the pilot will be there to press the start button, and the dog is there to bite the pilot if he ever tries to press the stop button. So. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think uh, that's coming. You know, how fast is another good question. Um, and of course I want a, a flying car that I can actually fly because I'm a pilot. I love that sort of thing. But I think in the long run, we're not really going to be flying them. First of all, they'll be remotely piloted and have all kinds of safety and redundancy systems. But I think in the long run, they're going to be, you know, all autonomous and we'll go, we'll, we'll, we'll take, we'll get a ride to the local Vertiport or, 
parking garage with a with a, a heliport on top. We'll hop in and we'll fly from say Bainbridge Island to Bellevue or um, Oshkosh to Appleton, and um, we'll get off in the parking garage and take an Uber or a Lyft for the last mile. Wow. Yeah, I I would I had wondered about automation like it was it possible i mean we have cat 3a and all that but uh i, I would wondered about the ease of automation and uh recently uh my son got me a a drone for my birthday and the controls on the drone were on an ipad and it basically had up down left right turn around and <laughs> the drone the smarts in the drone handled the rest it handled you know oncoming winds it handled uh any kind of uh, obstacle avoidance and seeing that, that's, you know, that's the state of the art right now on a, you know, on a low priced drone <laughs> that you can imagine if, I mean, we, we've, we've talked about this in the past, the, the thing that this needs is money. And if you put money into uh, an infrastructure that can handle the, all this stuff, the automation will follow. Absolutely. I mean, I think, again, it, how long is it going to take? Everybody wants to look at that crystal ball. But um, there's a lot of money pouring in, um, especially in our industry, that sort of urban air mobility. Uh, so I think it's it's coming and people will crack it. The most efficient aircraft will sort of end, end up, you know, being successful. And, the, you know, the interesting thing, I guess, if you look back at my grandfather's New York to Paris flight in 1927, he, he sort of shifted the world's perspective on, um, you know, what long distance air transportation could be like and it really jump-started that industry and and i think that's what we're trying to do you know now is to show that we can have short distance air transportation because it really isn't practical if you have to go to an airport take off in an airplane and then fly somewhere and land and then you don't have transportation exactly to where you need to go you need a crew car airports are all sort of haphazardly situated around cities We've never really actualized that except for helicopters. And helicopters are big, expensive, what do they say? Thousands of moving parts all flying in loose formation. <laughs> uh, so, so, so that's, that's, you know, that's there and you can do that, but it's expensive. Uh, and if, and so that's, I think, what electric propulsion really um, brings to the table. And that's going to change because there's so much money flowing in from the investment markets. Um, to the EV tall systems. Yeah. And uh, the, the, the chemistry that's changing, I mean, things like, uh, uh, lithium polymers and, uh, even solid state batteries there, uh, the density of the energy is going to, is going to increase. Uh, I think it's almost like Moore's law. I mean, it's not going there as fast as Moore's law was with, uh, with memory, but the price goes down, the uh, density goes up. So that's going to make the ride cheaper, lighter, and, uh, more accessible. Right. And, and actually, you know, technically, it's not going up as fast as Moore's Law. In fact, the, the, the projections, what's historically true is that we've been getting about 3% gain in uh, energy density per year. Um, so it's a lot slower than a lot of people have predicted. So we've based our business plan on using a hybrid system, which, which um, you know, we get the electrons from an internal combustion engine, which is it's not as sexy as having an all electric vehicle, but it's actually practical. It'll work with today's technology and we can't build a business plan based on technology that we don't have yet. Um, so that's a little nuance for Vertigo Aero. 
Sure. I mean, it, it's. I mean, what, what you're talking about is. I mean, the basis of all this is. Is will it be profitable? How much do you have to sink into it before it starts coming back? And if you're doing better than if if you're doing better than the other ways of getting to places, that's that's where you're that that's where you you're the inflection point. Right. So, and 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 at the point when batteries um, are good enough that we can use them, we'll just pull those engines out and use all batteries. In many ways, you're following in the path of your of your grandfather, at least the, you know in his later life. Uh, he became more of a, a, a mentor and a catalyst for uh, for you know work in this. I know that you've worked with uh, uh, you know besides your own company, you've worked with uh, with folks at Embry Riddle in developing electric propulsion, and uh, you, you've lent your you've lent your name to being you know to help people figure out part of the future. Um, and uh, your uh, your grandfather worked, I know, with uh, with Robert Goddard to get uh, money from Guggenheim to to advance advanced things like gyroscopic uh, uh, control in uh, in Goddard's uh, rockets and, you know, later during World War II, the bazooka and, and the Jado uh, work. So you definitely are part of the Lindbergh <laughs> line. Well, yeah, and, and Goddard was working on liquid-fueled rockets, and um, grandfather helped him to get funding from Guggenheim to get down to New Mexico where he could, he was called the crazy moon man in yeah. Boston and <laughs> people were, you know, sort of taking pot shots at him in the press and so forth. And grandfather helped him to get out, um, out to the desert to really test peacefully or in peace, I guess. Um, so, and, and, and for me in 1996, I was part of the crew that announced the X prize in St. Louis, a $10 million prize for the first private manned space program. And in 2002, we were, we were in Mojave to um, watch Spaceship One launch and and um, successfully fly twice up into space and return safely and, and win that largest cash prize in history, which was cool. It wasn't the first time we'd gone suborbital, but it, but it launched the private space flight industry. And now we have sort of Bezos and Musk and Branson all vying to create space liners. In other words, the airlines that'll take the rest of us into space. So that was a pretty exciting and really successful, um, you know, forward looking effort um, that I had a hand in. And, you know, it, it, it's infectious to be a part of a team that sort of changes the way the world thinks about something, whether it's space flight or, or aerospace, and it, it, it makes you sort of think, well, how do I do that again? I'd like to get one of these flying cars in the Air and Space Museum next to the Spirit of St. Louis and uh, Spaceship One. Um, we'll see. It's it's hard. And I've, I've done some startups before that, that um, didn't succeed or f- failed to thrive. Um, so it's, it's a huge challenge, it, but it's a challenge I can't really pass up. No, I mean, and having, I mean, we, we've talked about this before, but having having such a name as yours, such a such a famous name in aviation and really in world history, that you're, you know, you have a family member who changed the world. It, it must, um, you know, I've, I've 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 said this on our last show. When you wake up every morning and you say I'm a Lindbergh, I, I mean, do you do you feel a a compunction, a, a like that you are a necessary part that you have to do this because this is part of your inheritance? Uh, well, it's a double-edged sword. So sometimes it's it's a great thing and helps you get your foot in the door and 
and then other times it attracts the kind of attention that you want to hide from and um it, so it, it's i don't know how to explain it other than it 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 it's a Does great it kind of... gift and it's a and it's a burden and it, and it, so i have to sort of try to balance that stuff and make sure i go like this morning i went mountain biking with some friends on single track trails and really got my exercise in i sweated hard we worked really hard and um and that just sets me you know sort of sets my day in place and then i can go cold call somebody who's pitching us on a fusion powered airplane and <laughs> see if i can turn his head around and go for the flying car instead <laughs> so it must have the most interesting to-do list of anybody i know <laughs> <laughs> oh, the trouble is it gets crazy if you don't really try to limit it. Um, yeah. But uh, doing the uh, Apollo Minute was uh, high on my bucket list, let's say that. Well, I, I appreciate that. Well, let's talk a little <laughs> bit. Let's, 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 head, let's head back into the past a little bit. We'll go back to, uh, to 1970. And uh, here we are with the – we started out with the crew discussing the number 13 that they're, they're trying out, uh, walking under ladders with a black cat and stuff. Do you, do you remember the Apollo 13 mission? I mean, you were just a little kid, I guess, not, at the time. Not really. Um, I remember Apollo. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. The blanket, we're going to the moon, and that was exciting. I didn't remember the specific missions. Um. And I wasn't, it wasn't like my motivation, like some of my friends, et cetera, were, were, um, you know, changed their lives. Yeah. So at, for some reason I either missed it or I wasn't as wrapped up in it, um, as some of my, my colleagues, but, um, you know, it, it really changed the world and it had a huge effect on my grandfather and he was able to touch people including Lovell and, and Hayes and Mattingly and Bill Anders and so forth. And, and, um, and so that has, has this ripple effect. It's still going. Yeah. He, uh, we had talked about how, um, how your grandfather had, had stopped by during the, uh, during the Apollo eight missions and had also gone up to a uh, Beth page where Grumman is and had gone in to see the lunar module that would be, you know, landing on the moon. The, and the idea of, you know, this, that, the generational uh, continuance it was, it was an amazing moment. It's a shame that nobody nobody took a picture at the time, but right. just uh, just having him being there as part of this. I mean, he he was such a uh, a key figure in where we are today. And the idea that from you know from 1927 up to uh, 1969, I mean, just you know, a middle aged man could have been born watching watching your grandfather fly across uh, across to Paris and see. Uh, men walk on the moon and still, you know, have a full life ahead of you. It's such an it, it it's such a uh, a quick learning curve. It's it's astonishing how fast the world changed then. It is astonishing, and I think, you know, when we were working on X Prize, people said that Apollo happened too soon. It was unrealistically pushed, uh, so it was before its time. And we spent such a big effort on it that if we had taken a little bit longer, maybe not had the pressure of the, you know, the Russians beating us, um, maybe it would have become more sustainable. And I don't know if that's true or not, but it, it was an interesting anecdote because they felt like we sort of spent our wad, if you will, on this massive thing. And then 
NASA, of course, had to make it safe. And when they made it safe, it became boring and the public checked out and the funding wasn't available and so on and so forth. That was part of our rationale for starting XPRIZE was to jumpstart the private space industry so that we didn't have to rely on the on the government to do it. Yeah, I mean, it really sending up entrepreneurs like like Bezos and uh, and Musk getting getting all that going. I mean, who would have thought we'd be seeing a competition among among just you know random random Americans that you know with, well, well funded, <laughs> but being able to build the the fastest cheapest way of getting into space that you know we turn on our TV sets and seeing a car on its way to Mars. I mean, that's, wow. <laughs> Yeah, it's, that's pretty radical. <laughs> it's, uh, but it it captures, um, I think, like like you said, but you know, it, it's a mixture of of art and and adventure. It it's just the, the novelty of seeing a car floating in, you know, floating high above the earth. Um, it's very strange, but it's very compelling that you say to yourself, "This, this is where we've come. This is what the art of the possible is now." And I, I think following things that some people might think, oh, that's silly. Why would you have a flying car? Well, there's there's reasons to have flying cars. And from building a flying car, you'll find out uh, pathways to other ways of transport. Um, sure. Yeah, consi- consider how, you know, you have to clear out a, a highway if you want to land a helicopter for a medical emergency. The idea that you could sit down on a, on a street and uh, and take somebody away and get them to a hospital in moments. Um, there's so many opportunities in what you're building. You know, I also saw what I what I got out of the flying car, the you know the the, the one we put into space, um, was that I had friends who probably could care less about the space program, but suddenly the images of that car up in space captured everybody's imagination yeah. and. You know, creativity. You know what I mean. Everybody kind of took note of, "Are you? You know, look at what we're seeing." And it just got me thinking then that that you know, the more we do stuff like that, or or the more visibility we can get to to doing, you know, to celebrating intelligence, um, the better we are all going to be. I mean, the the uh, like I said, I just I saw people who who don't really follow the space program, but suddenly their Facebook banners and their Facebook feeds are filled with pictures of where the car was going to go next. You know, and I thought that was pretty cool. It's very interesting, and I think that's the you know sort of the the magic of it. Um, I, I wasn't particularly interested in space flight when I started working with X Prize, but it very quickly captured me, and I started you know I had been building wood furniture. All of a sudden, I started seeing rocket ships and things, and <laughs> and making them, and um, it, you know, it 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 lit something of a fire inside of me. Um, and the same thing happened with aviation. When I when I actually started flying an airplane, I just got the magic, and it stuck with me. And I had to, you know, I had to be in this industry. Um, so it, I, I think when we make when NASA made spaceflight boring because they made it safe, we we the public tuned out, and, it, and there has to be some risk, and there has to be some art to it, and there has to be some some magic to it for people to dream about it and want it. Yeah, it, absolutely. I mean, when you look at the, the the Apollo program, was very audacious, and the size of everything everything that happened, everything was big. I mean, it was just it it was like. It was like a you know redstone rockets on steroids. The idea that they'd find the biggest 
uh, you know, we're seeing at the very end of this uh, this minute, uh, were, uh, the, the, they found the biggest mining uh, tractors that, that were used in Kentucky. And they said, well, why don't we put a, a baseball field-sized platform on top of that, and then we can roll rockets right out of the, right out of the factory and put them up on the launch pad and launch them. <laughs> when you see these things down in, uh, at, at, at the Cape or on Merritt Island, of the, the size, the scale. I mean, you see it here in the in this movie where they're standing next to it, but the size is just un. It's really hard to put your head around it. But that's that's the kind of you know that that scale. Somebody had the imagination to innovate like that and build. It didn't matter about the size of it. It just you build it, and that will get you to the moon. Mind. I always like the fact yeah. that the the Saturn V was. I mean, you can throw a bunch of uh, figures out, but I mean, the thing was a 35-story building. It's <laughs> basically what we were going <laughs> to throw off of a pad down in Florida. Yes, that would get that would get to Mach one in uh, uh, in 65 seconds, I think. It was, a, a, it was 65 seconds off the off the launch pad, and it would be at Mach one. So, it, you know, it was the fastest 35-story building ever made. <laughs> um, <laughs> and a lot of those, you know, the redstones, et cetera, exploded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the the atlases were. Uh, I think the, there's a famous story about the Mercury Seven astronauts being brought down to uh, see uh, an atlas launch because they were they were going to be flying on the atlas, and the atlas got about halfway up off the gantry and just ripped itself apart and blew up in a rather large fireball. And it's like oh. you're next. I mean, imagine <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> not not exactly a, a heartening. We had uh, we had Gene Kranz here. Gene and I, I don't do a good Gene and Kranz impression, but he, he really he really put it in perspective. He said, uh, when we put Al Shepard on top of you know his on on top of his rocket, his Mercury flight, he said uh, it was something like a month prior, they had had an explosion of the rocket. This was like the first time they'd actually had a guy on top of a rocket, you know, in his capsule. And he's like, you know, what kind of a brave man watches a rocket blow up? And then they say, the next rocket's yours. And, okay, fine, I'm going to go ahead and get in and go fly, you know. And uh, that, that that takes some bravery there to, to, to strap on that thing, knowing that just a short time earlier, that you know, the, the, the exact same machine that you're going to take exploded and had a complete failure. Yeah. It, I, I mean, it's, it's amazing. I mean, the little pieces – of uh, innovation that had to come up with in terms of getting to the moon within 10 years. Um, one of the more fascinating pieces that I find, and the, probably the lowest tech uh, involved in getting to the moon as, as we look at the uh, crawler transporter, there was a big problem that pavement or cement or any really any kind of uh, aggregate stone that they would put down for these uh, monstrous vehicles, none of it would none of it would hold up to uh, carrying a, a Saturn V. And uh, somebody came up with the idea that if they got uh, river rocks from the Alabama River in Tennessee, those are the hardest, uh, driest rocks known in uh, in the country. It's, they're like a formation of granite and sandstone. And so what they did was they put down a, a layer of a layer of asphalt, then another layer of uh, uh, limestone aggregate, and then on top of that, uh, these Alabama River rocks, three and a half miles of Alabama River rocks. That wow. instead of instead of the hard, like if you think of um, cement, cement has kind of like box-like molecules that that can get crushed and split apart. But these Alabama River rocks, they'd move around, they'd slide every which way and push against each other. So it's like 
like kind of like a, a McDonald Land uh, ball pit, <laughs> and they could roll these uh, they could roll these ships over them, and they wouldn't crush anything, and they could just get more rocks if any of them really got crushed into a powder. But the, the if if any of the rocks did get crushed, the powder would drop to the bottom of the stack of of river rocks, and they just continued this from. They started it in 1965, and until 2011, it carried all the Apollo missions and all the shuttle missions on a, on a pile of uh, Alabama river rocks. Oh, my gosh. That's incredible. Huh. Rocks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, yes, and some, I don't know who it was, but, uh, you know, uh, a heaven-sent fellow who thought of, hey, why don't we just use rocks? So, um <laughs> You know, it's a, a, fasc, a, a fascinating little little piece of it. I enjoy that. Yeah, there's so there's so many little aspects in this movie. We could probably go on with uh, with bunches of them, and we will. Don't worry, we'll be, we will be doing that on future episodes. The now I know you, uh, uh, Chris is in uh, is in Oshkosh, and you are come you are going to be coming to Oshkosh for the uh, for the EAS uh, the Air Ventures EAA uh, exposition. Is is that right, Eric? Yes. And on Tuesday, the Lindbergh Foundation is is hosting a Lindbergh Innovation Forum. So we're going to have a, a bunch of speakers talking about leading edge aerospace um, technologies. We've got Mike Sinnott is uh, from Boeing, and um, it, bleeding edge technologies is is a better way to put it. We have someone from the uh, Air Shepherd, which is a program that we came up with at the Lindbergh Foundation to use drones beyond line of sight and at night to to stop poaching of elephants and rhinos in Africa. Um, so a fascinating program from nine to noon in the innovation tent at AirVenture. And then, of course, we've got all kinds of meetings and forums and programs to participate in. Um, AirVenture is the, you know, sort of the highlight of the aviation world every summer. Yeah, I... Uh... I certainly think so. I'm biased, of course, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, but I also, I grew up in Pittsburgh, so I've only worked here for about five years. I've been coming since 96, so uh, that this used to be our, our our vacation, the guys' trip every summer we'd come out here, so, um, yeah, I still geek out. I still geek out every time, uh, you know, it starts going on. It's like, man, you start seeing tents go up and stuff, and uh, now it just feels like, rather than a road trip, it feels like... Uh, you're hosting a party and all your buddies are coming. Yeah, that's kind of kind of how it is. <laughs> you actually have to work the show. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, we don't get to see as much as we would like, but yes. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, it, it is it is an amazing place, and so you get so many ideas. I I haven't been, but from everybody that I, that I've heard that goes uh, says that you get so many ideas of what you want to do for next year. Uh, just being there, you say, oh, "I've got to do this. I've got to change this." You know, if you own a if you own a plane, it's like I got to get this gear for my plane, or I've got to get a plane, or I <laughs> uh, just want to be better than what you were at you know this year. Um, but it's it's always exciting just to be there. And really, uh, you know, Eric, when you when you talk about these different things of uh, the technologies and things, it sounds like the only thing that really limits us is our imagination. That the there's so many possibilities if we can just think of them and how to apply the, the new technologies that are available to us. I think that's true. And I think that whenever someone says it can't be done, it's just a matter of time before someone actually does it. Someone who's not constrained by that. Um, it's just a matter of time. Uh, there is so much that goes on at AirVenture and so many different crazy aircraft designs that actually fly. Um, 
it's a it's a feast and it's and it's clean and there's not a lot of trash blowing around it's like a huge amount of humans and airplanes packed into a um moderately small area it is so well run it is so interesting and fun and there's food and there's benches and there's you know they've thought of everything and they've been doing it for um i don't know 50 years yeah Uh, 53 was the first one it's it's an extraordinary um spectacle event reunion for me every year to go back i know people that i only know from air venture and it it really is a uh unique community and that's incredibly creative well it's a, it's a great thing to be a part of i've, I've got to get up next next year i was i was meaning to come this year but next year we, we've got we've got grandkids coming in so i can't, can't go but next year is it's on my it's on my to-do list we're holding you to that bring yeah. your, bring <laughs> your grandkids yeah oh sure yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i gotta wait for the, the the younger one to get out of diapers but yes definitely um, but well, Eric, thank you so much again for being on on our show, and I uh, hope to have you on uh, again soon. It's uh, it's always a, I feel better about the future after I've talked to you. And uh, uh, where can people find you online when they want to look up what what you're doing, what you're into? Uh, EricLindberg.com or uh, LindberghGallery.com. Um, either one goes to the same website, and it that shows some of my art and um, links to Vertigo Arrow and. Um, I mentioned adventure. I, I have to keep moving this. I'm still, I'm all my parts are sort of still moving in loose formation like those helicopters. And <laughs> um, I realize that as I get older, that movement is the key to my longevity. So yes. um, I keep working hard and having adventures while I can. I, I see you on Facebook, and every time I see your, your pictures, I, I get tired just watching. You. <laughs> you're you're always going, 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 and I, I appreciate that. Um, it's uh, it's amazing. You're like you're like the opening of Wide World of Sports every time. <laughs> I see you on well, I, I I had a decade where I couldn't really walk, so I sure. I I've experienced um, non mobility as a human, and it, it kind of sucks. Uh, yeah. So, no, well, you're you're definitely making up for it. I, I can tell you that. Just uh, I, I love seeing seeing you in in action. You're uh, you're like a a GI Joe action guy. <laughs> wow. Well, again, th- thanks so much for being on. Oh, my uh, pleasure. For for folks uh, uh, interested in finding uh, previous episodes of us here, we are always available online at Apollo Thirteen Minute. You can find us. Uh, dot uh, com apollo 13 minute.com apollo 13minute.com uh, find us on facebook at apollo 13 mission control we are also on twitter of course uh, apollo 13 minute and on itunes and google play or wherever your fine uh, podcasts are uh, given away so uh, check back with us here uh, this is the end of the week so we'll be uh, checking back with you next monday uh, where we're going to have some some more exciting adventures so uh, until next time we're, it looks like we're getting uh, we're going to be out of uh, lost the signal in 30 seconds so uh, we'll catch you on the other side here on the Apollo 13 minute have a great weekend